Welcome to this week's Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. I'm Rob Paxton, and we're here talking all things sport in Salford. Joining the show this week, as ever, we've got Paul Whiteside from The Devil in the Detail. Looking forward to all things sport in Salford, Paul. Yeah, certainly I'm, Rob. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be another action-packed show. There's been an awful lot going on over the weekend. So, yeah, looking forward to, uh, to chatting all about it. So, uh, Salford were defeating at home to Catalan. They, they lost 14 points to 42, uh, Paul. Uh, obviously... The effort was there, the commitment was there, but Catalan had a big set of forwards and they just ran over Salford. Yeah, they did. They, they, well, they're not top of the league for nothing, are they? They're, they're a good side. They're a well-drilled side. They play to a good structure. Uh, they got a good coaching, Steve Matt and Aaron, and uh, they got some class players. They had a few players out injured as well, didn't they? But uh, but no, they were, they were a bit too big and strong for us and probably a bit a bit quicker behind the ears for us as well. But I thought we gave a really good account of ourselves and... You know, um, it was fairly tight, wasn't it, at stages. There was a couple of crucial decisions that I thought went against us, particularly the Escaray sort of try, which would have got us right back into the game. So I think the fighting spirit was there. And if we'd have played like that against Lee, we probably would have wiped the floor with them. So it was a, it was a, a much improved performance, but you know, still not up to the mark and a, a defeat's a defeat. But was encouraged by that performance is something to, to, to build on. Yeah, we were missing our big boppers. No Seb, no uh, Polly Polly, no... Uh, Lee Moffat's a massive problem because he's retired so you know it wasn't really a fair fight but we did have forwards there who worked hard and grafted uh, and you've got to obviously praise their efforts like Jack Albanroyd uh, Greg Burke you know obviously playing against bigger bigger forwards they got the work cut out but they did they gave everything that they could they did, and yeah, and you can answer that list as well with James Greenwood and uh, and Jack Wells, can't you? I think Jack's dislocated his uh, his knee, hasn't he? So he he's out for a while with that, so we might not see him for the, maybe for the rest of the season. I'm not too sure, but they're two big hitters for us as well. So so yeah, they they've got they're huge, and they've got some big outside backs as well. But no, I thought I thought we did okay. You know, you look at their half backs. I mean, they've got James Maloney and Josh Drinkwater there, probably two of the best halfbacks in the league. So we changed it round again and, and swapped our halfbacks round and, and, and made some changes. But uh, but yeah, going sixteen 0 down after after a good good opening to the game, you know that was uh, you know a bit of a blow. That really they, they picked us off where we three three tries and uh, sixteen points. Now we did get a, a good try through Harvey Lavette. Though I thought that was a well worked try. That you know nice short ball from from two of Oliver and Harvey Lavette. You know he's progressing every week, isn't he? He's a really good player. And sixteen six, you're uh, you're you're not back in the game, but you you've got a foothold. But then we conceded a bit of a soft try to Sam Cassiano right on half time. You know nobody seemed to want to tackle him. He's that big. Yeah. He caught to that ball there, didn't he? And uh, no one was going to stop him. So twenty two six at half time. We were staring down the barrel a bit, really, wasn't we? But you know got back into the game in the early stages of the second half. I thought. Yeah, we, we gave we gave everything off. Obviously, the the disallowed try uh, from Escare, big moment in the game for me, uh, Paul, because obviously the try was disallowed, and then they went they went up the other end and got a penalty, which just edged them away. And you know, moments like people talk about sort of how you know moments change games, and I thought that was one of them. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was twenty two ten when it started and they got that try. Uh, Michael McLaurin had been simbined as well for the Dragons for an eye tackle. So Eskery, you know, lovely dummy, and I thought it was a super try. That there was anything wrong with that, really. And, you know, to, if we'd have kicked the goal from that, that's twenty-two points to sixteen. You're right back in the game, actually. It was an eight-point turnaround. Catalans go down the other end and, and kick a penalty goal, twenty-four ten. Totally takes the sting out of us. Then Tom Davis got that try. It was good night Vienna at thirty points to ten. So yeah, it's fine margins sometimes, isn't it? And I thought you know Catalans were pretty clinical. They took their chances when they got them, really, didn't they? And uh, you know Sam Tompkins, clever player. I thought. Throughout the game, it was a 
a tale of two fullbacks, really, Tompkins and Eskere. Like they both played really well. Um, Eskere grabbed the headlines through his attacking sort of play. Um, but I thought his defence left a bit to be desired at times. Um, he had his pocket picked by Tompkins, but from that high kick and out of position for a few of the tries. But there's no doubt about it. He's a very, very exciting player and he's very, very quick. And he gave us a bit of a... He gave Catalans problems all night, didn't he, going forward? So, uh, But yeah, they got another try, 36-10. And uh, it was uh, it was a defeat then for us. Yeah, Richard Marshall uh, obviously mentioned about Morgan Escal and said, said he was you know, impressed with what he saw. He said he's a long-term project at Salford, which kind of gives me the impression that he's got plans uh, for this season and beyond, which is which is a good thing. Obviously, we've got options at fullback and obviously he might be one of them uh, for season the next season and beyond. He's a good player, Rob. He's a special player. I mean, there's not many quicker than him. You know, when he sort of, he glides along out wide and looks for that gap, looks for that gap on the edge and then he gets that gap and he's away. And there's not many players can do that. So it's just the it's just the defence for me. He can get exposed a bit in defence. And if he can improve that and tighten up, because people can, people can improve and work on the game, work on his position and no play. You know, we had a player called Nile Levels who's, who was a fantastic player, but he worked on parts of his game. There's parts of his game where he wasn't quite right, positional play and defensive stuff and under the eyeball, and he worked on it and got himself better. So if Morgan Escaray can do the same thing, he can uh, he can be a really good player for us because he's got that X factor, he's got that thing about him, and I think we look a better side when he plays at fullback. To be honest with you, so uh, so yeah, it'd, it'd be good to see him stay in the side because he's he's a player that you know fans are going to warm to because he does the does the good stuff. So uh, so yeah, I think just just keep working hard. I think he'll get better. Yep, yeah, I spoke to Richard Marshall after the game, uh, and this we had to say. <laughs> Coach's corner. Right, Rick, it's Rob. Hi, Rob. Defeat tonight against Catalan Dragons. Talk us through it. Yeah, it's from the outside, it looks like a, a pretty hefty defeat. From the inside, internally, I think we made some inroads with the ball. I thought we made some inroads with the way we played and, and our general attitude was a lot better. And it had to be because we, we were awful against Lee. And, uh, and I think we needed a response. I think we got that. Uh, if you were at the game, I think you'd be happy with with the performance from from our from the Salford players today. Um, listen, we got beat. We're disappointed. We can and should have played better, certainly defensively. But I thought with the ball, we, we were really good. Yeah, the first half was struggled to make inroad. Really missed our big boppers like Seb Polipoli and Lee Mossop against a big Catalan pack. Yeah, you know, we've got young Jack o, Jack Almanroyd and, 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 and JJ and we're not the biggest, but they've got some heart, they've got some ticker and they looked after each other. Andy Ackers was in the mix again. Um, we, we're copping a few bumps and bruises at the moment. The players are nowhere near 100% fit and, and they're putting their hands up every week and, uh, and they'll be doing it again on Monday. Uh, if, if we can, we've not really got anyone to come back, probably a couple of players... There might be some positional changes just to freshen things up, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was proud uh, of the efforts today as, as, as head coach of this club. Yeah, on a positive note, when we did get in within striking distance, we looked dangerous. Yeah, we did. We, we did, and, and we, we had two tries disallowed. I'll have to look at them. I thought we, we were at least one of them was okay. Um, yeah, we, and we, we had one opportunity in. In the you know in the first half took that uh, yeah and I thought Morgan was was good on the end of our plays too he was decent in the halves and Chris Atkin and and I thought yeah we just we just didn't have the size 
or, or the power. But I thought we had the the resilience and, and the skill level. I thought we, we I thought our skill level more than matched the Catalans today. Yeah, the second half started brightly, disallowed try by Morgan Escalay, but then obviously a penalty from them on the next set. That was the, the killer moment in the game for me. Yeah, yeah, discipline again. It raised its ugly head. And yeah, and I, I thought we took a few poor options where we kicked early a couple of times. And that, you know, that that's something that in the context of the game, we want to really absorb the ball and keep the ball for as long as we can when we've been under the pump. Um but yeah, there was far more positives tonight. Uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not downbeaten at all, and I think Monday we'll have a, have a real good go at Hull. What's the injury situation uh, like? Have you got lots of anybody's coming back or uh, just sort of plastering a few up for Monday? I'm hopeful. Kev will be okay. He just couldn't back up. Uh, Atta should be okay. Uh, he just wasn't selected this week. Um, uh, Joe Burgess. Uh, we've got young Nathan Roebuck who's not played. Matt Costello. We've got a load of backs and very little forwards. I don't think Seb will make this one. Uh, he's still nursing a broken hand. And Paul, he's been isolating. He will be back in, but he's not up to speed at the moment. Um, and the Akers come off with a neck injury and, uh, and Avi Lovett, just a bit of a, a bit of a slight knock. Um, Ryan Lannan's got a bit of a knock on his knee, so we'll just have to see. Yeah, hold on Monday. A real test after tonight's physical encounter. Yeah, two, a very similar team to Catalans. They play very direct. They've got a big pack. Uh, obviously, they've got Jake Connor and Max Need pulling the strings. So, uh, yeah, we, we won't have to do a lot of, of, of preview because we'll just look at where we can improve on on this on this game this evening. The players aren't too down in there. Uh, listen, we're not over the moon by any stretch of the imagination, but we're not too deep. So that was Richard Marshall talking himself after the game, Paul, and he said he was happy with the effort. Uh, he, he thinks that, you know, Solfer made inroads into that Catalan uh, defence and he got a response, which is what he wanted after the lead defeat. Yeah, sometimes in sport, Rob, you've got to hold your hand up and say you've been beaten by the better side. And I think Catalans are the bigger and better team. You know, they were better than us. And no matter how hard we tried, we probably wouldn't have won that game because they were just too good for us. So, You've just got to accept that sometimes and and move on. As I said before, the top of the table, you know, they've got a real good chance of getting to the grand final and maybe even win the Super League. You know, they're playing that well. So uh, obviously, St. Helens and Warrington and one or two of the other sides will, will have a say in that. But you know, they've got a real good chance of finishing top now. So um, they're not there for you know on 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 luck, are they? There because they've been one of the most consistent sides this season. So Rich has every right to be um, you know. A bit, a bit more sort of upbeat about that because the league game was was very, very poor, wasn't it? So that's the, the response that he wanted. Obviously, he didn't win the game, but got something to build on now with another home game coming up and a, some good performances in there as well and something for him to, to work with. You should have asked him about Kristen and his um, American football <laughs> pass because that was one of the highlights of the night for me. He just chucked that ball. He, he threw that like it was a piece of paper, didn't he? He just seemed to just launch it. So uh, he's a he's a he's a special player. He does some 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 amazing stuff. Yeah, he, he also mentioned the lack of size in his squad, uh, but he was happy with the effort and commitment shown. And that's in games like that, Paul. That is what matters to our supporters. Obviously, we watch the games, and sometimes if you are outclassed, you just want to see players running the blood to water. And I thought we got that uh, against Callum. Yeah, well, I thought. I didn't think there was there were certain players who I thought played played pretty well and improved. I thought Danny Addy was really really poor against Lee. And I think I said that on the podcast, but I thought he worked really hard against Catalan mm. and uh, had a hand in a couple of the tries and showed a lot of improvement. So you can only ask for that 
you know, if players improve and, and, and give the heart and soul, that's all you can ask. I mean, another guy who's, who I'm really enjoying watching this season, Sam Luckley, I thought he'd come off the bench again, very aggressive. And every time I watch him, he looks, seems to get better and better and picks little things up on his game. So he's going to be, you know, with the pre-season behind him in this close season, I think he's going to be a real, real good player next season. Uh, there's other players as well. Harvey Levet, as I say, every week seems to get better. He's, he's, a, he's a good player for us. So we've got, we've got some good players, some talent in that squad. And it's just about looking after it now. And, you know, it's this season, things haven't gone right for us, have they? And we, we've not, obviously, we're probably not going to finish the playoffs. I don't think we can now, mathematically. So it's one of those seasons where it's not gone right. But we've got things to work on, I think, there. There's a foundation to build on and, and make 2022 a really good season for us. So I don't think, you know, there's nothing to be down heartened about, really, for me. I think there's, there's definitely something to work with at Salford. Yeah, attacking-wise, we were better as well. Uh, two tries were disallowed. Escaray was very good. Uh, but obviously, you know, we, we have got elements we do need to improve on in that area. But it was a step forward from, from Lee in a few weeks uh, previous. Yeah, I think penalties again. I thought the penalty count, I'm not too sure what it was. It was quite a high one again. We seem to concede a lot. And I mean, if you had the six to goals in that, because, you know in times gone by, a six to go would have been a penalty, wouldn't it? So you had those on as well. So that's something we need to tighten up on, I think. Tighten up around the ruck. I think the, the, the sport does in general in this country, if you watch the NRL, a lot cleaner around the ruck. So I think that's something referees and coaches need to work on in close season because make the sport a better spectacle. So something we need to work on as well. Obviously, We've had a lot of players simbing this season, haven't we, for high tackles and things like that. Is that something they need to work on in training? You know, tackling technique and things like that. So there's stuff they can work on there in a close season and, uh, you know, learn from mistakes and, and, and learn from that and, and make it better in the, in the next season. It's something that just pops into my head then. There's something we talk about boxing all the time. And um, the debate that I've had, that a few of us have had when we're, when we're, we're chatting. And um, we are, one of my mates said to me the other week, Paul, he said, what wins, speed or power? And I, I'd say in boxing, I'd say speed every time. But I'll ask you this question now, rugby league: what wins, speed or power? What do you reckon? Power. I think. I think speed. You can go sideways speed. I think you what it is. You really, you need to burst the line, don't you? Whether that's creative, creating space, or running over somebody, the initial bursting of their line, however you do it, is the is the key, isn't it? So I think for me. You need you need power more over speed because you can burst the line. It's just a matter of supporting the runner then, isn't it? And you don't necessarily have to be fast. You just need to get bodies around the ball, um, like Saints, because they're they're magical at that. That's why Saints play the settlements way because they they kind of cover the ball, don't they? So when people do offload, it usually hands it lands in a settlements uh, set of hands, and that's why they're famous for doing what they do. What what do you think? Yeah, I think, well, rugby league and, and boxing is totally different. I think in boxing, I go speed mm. because your power comes from the speed. You know, the quicker you do something, the more the power it gains, doesn't it? But mm. I think in rugby league, it's a tough one. It's a 50 50 one, isn't it, really? I mean, you need that pace, don't you, out wide? You've not got that pace when the ball goes out wide, you're not going to get anywhere. But I always think that it, in rugby league, you need the power first. You need the forwards to lay that platform for you to allow you to play. You yeah. hear people say it in the crowd all the time. Oh, move the ball. Let the ball do the work. You know, throw, fan the ball that way. But you can't do that until you've got in a position to do that. You yeah. can't do that in your own 20. You've got to let those forwards get that, that platform for you and build the platform. And um, so I, I think power in, in rugby league is probably just about edges it. Yeah. I think in boxing as well, it's a different story because obviously you can be speed, but you you actually need to knock the person out or at least hurt them, don't you? You can be sort of super fast and just dance around them, sort of jabbing them. But if they're not getting hurt, 
it doesn't really work. Yeah, that's, there's all sorts of scenarios. I think it's it's a fifty-fifty, wasn't it? It depends on the situation, doesn't it? If the person, I think, and it's the same with rugby with the teams and that. So you, you could have you could have an argument for both. I think, but it's a good debate. So we were, were chatting about it, and there's always pros and cons to everything, I suppose, isn't there? But uh, but yeah, it's a tough question. I've put it out to listeners. What do they yeah. think? Yeah, if our listeners want to, want to reply to us on, on the on the Twitter or the Facebook and, and let us know, we can uh, we'll have a talk about it next week uh, on the, uh, the announced the return of the reserves uh, for the twenty twenty two season. Uh, good news, uh, obviously, it gives opportunity for for other players and young players uh, to play at the highest level, and, and obviously gives uh, the sport a bit of a boost. Well, it certainly does. Yeah, it, it allows fringe players and players who are not playing to. To get game time, doesn't it? Where you don't have to fire them out on loan. I know Conor Aspie's gone back on loan. Has he gone to Witness? Mm-hmm. I think his memory serves me right. And I am not so too keen on that. And I, I know other you know coaches like it. You get experience in in that league or whatever. But I prefer players to be in house and and playing for Salford. So so I'd rather have that reserve. Good when you've got players coming back from injuries as well. You can you can bed them in. You can work on things as well. So I, I always thought the A team was great when we had the A team years ago, and I think sport needs that. You, you can't just have a. You need a, a depth, don't you? You know, a squad depth, and I think we fell foul of that, haven't we? A few times recently where we've not had the depth in in, in our squad when players have got injured and things like that. So I don't know how it's going to work for us. Are we going to have a bigger squad? We'd have to do, really, if you're going to play reserve games as well. Work is it going to be a giant reserves thing? I'm not too sure, but I think every club should have to have a reserve grade. You need it. You need a reserve grade. You need an academy. You need to play a pathway. And once we've all got that, I think the sport will be much, much better. Yeah, there's going to be under-18s academy competition as well, running in alternate weeks. So that's a good idea. Uh, how that affects us, like I say, we'll have to wait and see. But I think it's going to be great. Obviously, we're building a pathway for our youngsters coming through. So I'm sure we'll be looking into that likes of uh, Danny Barton, uh, Paul Rowley, Paul Trainer will be trying to plot that into our development. And it's going to be uh, interesting to see how that how that goes in the next uh, you know, months and years because obviously we talk about bringing our own through don't we and and becoming a, like a, a club that can can progress through the the junior ranks and and the players who will go through that journey uh, will want to play Salford you know first team for Salford it gives them an extra you know incentive on it to, to push themselves because we don't particularly like it when players kids come through and then have to go uh, to another club to, to take that final step so having this reserve team in place and also hopefully under 18s academy if we can get one if we can't then it's one of the things we've got a reserve team there uh, for them to be able to go through that process and obviously make the first team uh, in you know a couple of years time or whatever yeah that's right that's right as i said before I think I think you need that. It needs to be there. It's, it's support for the for the club. You can't just be running with the bare bones, can you? Not if you want to compete at the top level in Super League. So, yeah, we need to get those foundations in place, don't we? And it's good to see that, that, that that's happening. But I just think for the sport on the whole, you, you must lose lots and lots of young players, you know, when you've not got those pathways there, players must drift off and go and do other things and that. So a lot of youngsters must drop out of the game and you're losing a real pool of talent and a pool of players. So, so yeah, let's let's hope all the clubs, you know, not just in the top flight, in the championship as well, we all get those foundations in our clubs and uh, start making our sport great. Yeah, so uh, Salford Devils are in Magic Weekend this week. Paul, they face Castleford on Saturday. Uh, great opportunity for all the fans to get up to Newcastle and spread the uh, rugby league gospel. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the Magic Weekend's um, you know, it's a good weekend, isn't it? It's an enjoyable one. You get to play on a big stage at St. James Park. Good stadium as well. And we're first on on the Saturday, aren't we, against Castleford. We're opening it all up. So, uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a tough game. You know, Castleford are, are chasing that 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 top uh, that top six, aren't they? It's very tight at that end of the table at the moment, around sort of fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. So, uh, Castle will be after the points as well, won't we? So, it should be it should be an intriguing encounter, that, Rob. Yep, so next fixture for the Swinton Lions is London Broncos at home. Uh, will be a tough fixture for the Lions, but I'm sure they'll be up for it. Yeah, London are a funny team, aren't they, this season? Well, they've been in a bit in and out, sort of mid-table. I don't think they've travelled very well away from home. They've been a bit vulnerable on the travel. So, uh, so Swinton will be looking forward to, uh, to a victory now at home against London, or a good performance at least anyway. So, uh, they've got some good players, London. Though our Ed Chamberlain's down there from Salford, uh, playing on loan there, and one or two other players with the... Uh, ex-Super League experience as well so that'll be a tough gig for Swinton but I'm sure they'll be able to raise their game again it should be another, another fascinating match down at Haywood Road so that's all the Rugby League chat uh, on the show now we're going to be talking uh, boxing we've got James Sweetnan uh, talking all things boxing with us now we're recording the show on Sunday so by the time you're listening to it the big fight will have already happened uh, but who do you think is going to win James? Yeah of course everybody listening to this will know the results so you'll be able to instantaneously tell whether I've got this one right or not. But between Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley, I don't want to give a full breakdown to a fight that's already happened, but I'm going to say that Jake Paul will have won. I think his superior boxing skill in terms of the amount of hours he's put into that one specific craft, in addition to the youth factor, I think that'll play dividends. And I think Jake Paul will have got the win over Tyron Woodley. That is my prediction of what I think will have happened. What do you make of all the fight week antics, James? Well, all the fight week antics have been extremely interesting and it's why Jake Paul's become one of the most popularising sp- characters within the sport of boxing. I mean, Tyron Woodley's at his moment and I think the link with Tommy Fury's been excellent as well. I know Jake Paul has seemingly been avoiding questions about Tommy Fury. I mean, people ask Tommy Fury, does he want the Jake Paul fight? And he's like, yes, absolutely. People then ask the same question to Jake. And Jake's coming out with statements with, we'll have to see if it makes business sense. We need to see if you transcend to an American audience, which for me sounded like excuses. But either way, it's been a very entertaining fight week. And if Jake Paul has got the win by the time you're listening to this, then there'll be a lot more fights like this to come. On Saturday night, Henley Stadium will play host to a great fight as a Leeds Warrior looks for redemption. Most certainly. This is a massive fight, Rob. Josh Warrington was an undefeated champion of the world until he vacated his world championship, arguably to avoid his mandatory challenger at the time, Kid Galahad. And then this obscure Mexican, Maurizio Lara, stepped in and absolutely wiped Josh Warrington out. And it surprised everybody. So now Warrington needs to bounce back with a big win and his career is 100% on the line. Lara is a monster puncher, but I still feel like Warrington has got a little bit more in the tank, a little bit more to his arsenal, and a little bit more in his repertoire, and hopefully in front of a massive Leeds contingent, a huge rugby stadium, hopefully that'll be enough to see Josh Warrington over the line, but it's not going to be easy, and he needs to be on his game for every single second, because Lara can hit like a horse kicking. If Warrington can't get the win, is is retirement the option? Yeah. Most certainly. I mean, his career's gone downhill very quickly. I mean, he had those fantastic wins, didn't he, against Lee Selby and then Carl Frampton. And then he lost the Kid Galahad fight that got a dodgy decision on the cards. And he hasn't really been able to capitalise on the momentum he had since then. 
his career, I mean, he had that win, didn't he, against Touchet, but, I mean, not a particularly big name. He got rid of him in a couple of rounds, and he was searching for that big fight. He wanted the Kanzu fight. Of course, he recently got beat by Lee Wood, and it never happened. But if he loses to Mauricio Lara again, somebody who arguably isn't at world level, then I think he really needs to contemplate where he's at in the sport. Dave Allen made a successful return to the ring on Friday night. Tell us all about that. He did. Maybe the most likeable man in all of British boxing, the young heavyweight Dave Allen. He's had fantastic fights over the years with the likes of Lucas Brown and other names like that. He's fought some world-level opponents in the likes of Dillian White and Lewis Ortiz, and he gives it his all every single time. He's an extremely likeable man, one of Sky Sports' main picks. He always gets flung on an undercard here and there to keep the fans happy. He got back to winning ways against a journeyman in Sheffield on a small hall show, and I'm happy for him. Obviously, he retired because he was uh, struggling in sparring. I know he got wobbled by Alexander Usyk. And hopefully, the break away from the sports given him time to refresh his mind, refresh his body, and now he can get back to making a triumphant return to the ring. And hopefully, you know, this can maybe lead to bigger fights. And I hope he doesn't get back in at world level because that's not the level he ever should have been operating at. That was just to get himself some opportunities. I hope, ideally, that he can work his way towards a potential British title shot and achieve his dream. Yeah, Manny Pacquiao has been making excuses for his latest loss. Uh, are they valid, James? I never like it when fighters make excuses. Manny Pacquiao has claimed that Yordina Shugas was one of the worst opponents of his career and that he never should have lost to him, which I think is deeply disrespectful because I think Yordina Shugas is a great operator. One of Manny Pacquiao's main excuses was that his legs just weren't working. He couldn't get in and out of range and he couldn't fire on all cylinders. And that was the reason why he lost. And in a rematch, he could turn that around. But unfortunately, Rob, the reason that his legs aren't working at 100% anymore is because he's 42 years of age. He can't reverse the clocks. No man can beat Father Time. And he was lucky to do as well as he did to get to this stage, to be a world champion at 42. But you can't go on forever. And if the legs aren't working, you can't reverse that cycle. Earlier in the show, James, me and Paul had a discussion about uh, what's more important in uh, in boxing and rugby. Is it pace or power? Uh, what do you think in boxing? What's more important for a fighter, pace or power? It's very difficult to say, isn't it? I know pace can make such a massive difference in a fight. I mean, the quicker man always has an advantage. Obviously, power is the last thing to go, so you have to play some importance there. And that's why... 40, 41-year-old fighters always carry that bit of a danger element, don't they? Because that power hasn't quite gone yet. But I think overall speed means more. I mean, Manny Pacquiao still has power, but he didn't have the speed to capitalise on it. So I think an edge towards speed, Rob. James, you've been vocal about the ridiculous amount of world title belts in the boxing, especially within within the WBA. So what do you make of their decision to scrap all their in, interim belts? Fantastic news, Rob. I absolutely go mental week in, week out about the excessive, ridiculous amount of world title belts in boxing, especially within the WBA, who have 44 world title belts in 17 weight classes. But this decision to get rid of all the interim belts is an absolutely fantastic one. Look, I'm not 100% against an interim belt if utilised correctly. However, if a world champion is active, you shouldn't have an interim belt. For example, Anthony Joshua, an active heavyweight fighter, he's fighting at Alexander Usyk on September 25th. So why did Daniel Dubois have to fight Bogdan Dinu for an interim title, especially when both men were coming off losses? It's just absolutely ridiculous. So the fact that the WBA have ridded those interim belts is fantastic for me. 
And maybe there was a bit of pushing from the ABC, but regardless, they've gone, and hopefully it'll go up to clear up what is a ridiculous issue in this sport. Does it not devalue the sport, though, James? Because obviously, having less belts, you have less big fights because obviously you're always looking to be a, a champion so if you have less belts then there's less champions most certainly I mean that was one of the arguments by the WBA that the amount of world titles they have creates more opportunity but look we have four world title belts already with the WBA the WBO the IBF the WBC and it's difficult for casual fans to come in and understand that it is rather than saying that there's three extra belts within the WBA and now the WBC have two it's just a nightmare to understand and look Becoming a world champion shouldn't be easy. It should be one of the hardest things to do in the sport. And there should be fantastic fighters who fail to pick up that mantle because it is so difficult. So the fact that world uh, you know, fighters can steer themselves down a route where they're picking up a WBA regular belt and classing themselves as a world champion, it's not on for me. Great. So... Let's talk UFC now, James. There's been a massive fight this weekend for the UK's most popular mixed martial artist, James. Break it down for us. Yeah, it's a big fight, isn't it, this weekend? Darren Till of Liverpool makes his return to the octagon against the United States of America's Derek Brunson. And it's your typical striker versus wrestler matchup. Derek Brunson, fantastic with his takedowns. Darren Till... A very dangerous striker, and it's a fantastic matchup, Rob. I see Darren Till having the edge in pace, maybe having the edge in youth, but Derek Brunson's on a better run, so maybe he can capitalise on that momentum. He's coming off arguably the best form of his career, whereas Darren Till, if you include the Stephen Wonderboy Thompson fight, which a lot of people thought he was lucky to get the decision in, he could well have lost four of his last fight. So... He's in a tough place, Darren Till, but I still expect him to put in a good performance and hopefully he can catch Derek Brunson. He's got a very good takedown event, so hopefully he can keep the fight on the feet. But let's not forget as well that Derek Brunson hits like a train. So the whole matchup between the two, I think, is brilliant because you really can't call it. But maybe I'm edging towards Darren Till at the moment, but I don't want to be committal to that because Derek Brunson has one-punch knockout power and he's on fantastic form. The American has been on a good run recently, while the Brit has been struggling. Will that pay a, play a factor in the fight? Yeah, I think it will, Rob. I mean, where is Darren Till's confidence at the moment? I mean, he, he did that interview, didn't he, a few years ago, where he was so open going into the Kelvin Gastelum fight as to how he was struggling with the nerves from the Jorge Masvidal matchup in which he was knocked out cold. Most fighters play the big I am, don't they? But Darren Till was honest and said, look, I got knocked out cold and I'm feeling the nerves now. I don't want it to happen again. I wanted to pull out the fight. I was scared. I was terrified of getting back in that octagon. And I thought it was a very refreshing approach, very refreshing to hear a fighter talk like that. And hopefully that can help other fighters who are in a similar sort of situation. But hopefully his head is in the right spot because he has been losing regularly and he seems to get me getting further and further and further away from a title shot. But... He's a star, isn't he? The UFC love him, and he's only one win away from getting that big fight again. Is this fight like a legacy fight, James, the one that makes him like a mortal? Yeah, I think so. I think there's a lot going into this fight because he had such a good run-up, such a good lead-up in his UFC run. And when he fought Donald Cerrone in Gdansk, Poland, I think many people thought he was going to explode on the world scene. But then he fought Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in Liverpool, got very lucky, in my opinion, to get the decision that night. And then he got beat by Tyron Woodley in his world title shot, which simply came far too early. 
And he struggled to bounce back from that. The next fight was a knockout loss to Masvidal. He then scrapes past Kelvin Gastelum and then loses to Robert Whitaker. So he's not been on great form, but I still feel like the talent's there. And a win here can certainly put him on the right track. And then it wouldn't shock me if he got a world title shot. I'll put you on the spot now, James. Who gets a victory Saturday night? I think all roads on paper lead to Derek Brunson. He's got fantastic wrestling. He's a great striker. He's on the better run of form. But I'm still going to back the Brit, Darren Till. I think his superior talent, his edge in probably size. I know he's come up from the weight division alone, but he's a big man, Darren Till, and could probably move up to light heavyweight at some point. I think the superior talent in you is going to be enough to get the win. I still feel like he's destined to wear the UFC middleweight belt at some point, so I'm going to wedge towards Darren Till. Another massive Liverpool star will make his UFC debut on the card. It's been a long time coming, hasn't, hasn't it? Yeah, Paddy Pimlet will finally make his debut in the UFC. I remember years ago, people said he was mental to turn it down when he was still in Cage Warriors. He won a world title belt there, and he gathered mass popularity. He was selling out that Echo Arena, which for for non-UFC fights for mixed martial arts in the UK is absolutely phenomenal. He made it his house, the Echo Arena, and now he's fighting in the UFC. He's in a great matchup. I expect him to get the victory and hopefully push on to better things. He's a polarising character, and I think if he can put a good run together in the UFC... It could be one of the biggest stars in that promotion as well. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, there, James. That's all the UFC uh, on the show uh, this week. We're going to be talking ice hockey now, James. Yeah, we most certainly are. And Manchester Storm have picked up a real superstar for this season. Tell me all about him, Rob. Yeah, big signing uh, for the Manchester Storm. Jared Van Wormer has come in. Uh, he's a forward. He's got big experience in the ECHL. He was an all-star pick in the 2018-2019 season. He's a forward. He scored 20 goals in three successive campaigns, which is a, which is a fantastic, uh, you know, record really because we we've talked about how Manchester Storm need goal scorers and it seems like this guy could be the the final piece of the jigsaw James it's his first time in Europe so it's going to be that's going to be a test for him but you know you don't lose that you've got class if you're scoring more than 20 goals a season three seasons on the spin in any sport uh, you you're seen as a, a sharpshooter and that's only going to benefit uh, Manchester Storm going forward this season and uh, we're looking forward to see what it can reproduce down at the Storm Shelter yeah, definitely. I think he'll make a massive impact for Manchester Storm this season and I look forward to seeing how he gets on. But they've also done their bit to allow Cardiff Devils to compete in the Champions League, Rob. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Zach Sullivan, uh, Manchester Storm player, has been loaned uh, to the Cardiff Devils uh, because they're taking part in the in the Champions uh, Cup, which is like the equivalent to the Champions League. Uh, they won 4-1 um, on Saturday night against, uh, La I think it's Laconce, uh, Swiss side, uh, which, which is good. So he's done his bit. Um, Ryan Finney congratulated him on, on a great performance. I'm sure um, Zach will come back to the Storm Shelter eventually. Uh, with that experience and it's only going to make him a better ice hockey player and then he's going to make Manchester Storm better as well because if you've got players who are playing in the top competition they're going to get that experience and, and it's only going to take them forward so yeah well done to Zach for, for helping Cardiff uh, win uh, and come back to Storm soon with that experience it's only going to take us forward and Ben Soldiers has gone on to a dual registration with Leeds Knight 
yeah, Ben Soldier gains experience at Leeds. Now, like I said before, Benefit is the experience of playing at a different level. Um, he wants he wants to become a better player. And, and Ryan Finity has taken this opportunity to say to Ben, go and play your ice hockey in Leeds, get some experience, get physically better, get mentally stronger and come back a better player. And that's, and that's the benefit of doing it. Because obviously Manchester Storm have a great roster of players uh, and him going away and, and getting that experience is going to make him a better player. Most certainly, Rob. But now moving in, to the world of football, and there's only one story <laughs> that's worth opening this up with, Rob. Cristiano Ronaldo is back at Manchester United after over a decade away from the club. I mean, the day when Ronaldo left United, when he left the theatre of dreams, I always thought that one day he was going to make a triumphant return back to the theatre of dreams, and that day has finally come, and it came completely out of nowhere. He claims... He wants to leave Juventus and then he's linked with Manchester City. It looks like the absolute unthinkable was about to occur. He was going to go to the blue side of Manchester, but he was tempted back to the red side, wasn't he, Rob? Ole Gunnar Solskjaer got on him. Apparently, Sir Alex Ferguson was ringing him up. Bruno Fernandes was applying the pressure. And Cristiano Ronaldo has made the decision to return to Manchester United. For less than £30 million, a fantastic prize for a man who, for me, is still one of the best players on the planet. Ronaldo, he's back, Rob. Break it down. What fantastic news. Yeah, great news for supporters of Man United. Great news for the, for the club. Great news for the players. Ronaldo is still world-class. He is getting on a bit. Father time is catching up with him. But he still has that ability to score goals. He still has that class and he's going to take Man United to that next level. Will he go to the very next level and win championships will be remain to be seen because we've got other places on that field that need to be addressed. But as a, as a character and as a player, top-notch signing for Manchester United. Most certainly, Rob. I mean, was your heart in your mouth when it looked like he could be going to Manchester City? Well, it, it, did, it did sort of upset me a little bit, but Legacies, legacies. He wouldn't have changed for me, but there are lots of uh, people on social media lo losing their minds about it. Uh, but he came round uh, to the right, uh, right conclusion in the end, which which is good. Um, what what did you think? Were you upset that he was linked with Man City? It's difficult to tell, isn't it? I mean, some people are viewing this as a bit of a ploy, isn't it, to get City interested, to almost rekindle the interest of Manchester United. But what do you make of the whole thing, Rob? Because we were led to believe, and you know, according to Sky Sports News and other media outlets, that Ronaldo wanted to go to Manchester City and then they pulled out. And that's why he's ended up at Manchester United. What, what do you make of the whole thing? Well, I think it's more, it's more psychological, really, because obviously Man United are a big club. Man City are building towards being a big club. So to have Ronaldo snatched away from you... Don't forget Man City are top of the league. You know, they're playing the best football of, of the, you know, of the of the history, really. But not to be able to entice one of the greats into your club. Is that is that a psychological blow for Pep Guardiola and for the fans that Ronaldo picks a, a bang average United side to play in? Yeah, he will he will improve that team, uh, but it is a blow for, for the blues for me. What do you think? I think it's a massive blow for the Blues and uh, especially with them, you know, seemingly not being able to secure the Harry Kane deal. I think Ronaldo would have been would have made a massive impact for them. But ultimately, they decided against it. Maybe that's because of his age. 
And a lot of people seem to be complaining about the man's age at the moment. But for me, Rob, United have only signed him on a two-year deal. I don't think he's going to go that downhill in two years. And for me, he's still a top 10, top 15 player in the world. Oh, yeah. He's still going to score goals, James. That's the important thing. Uh, but you look at that Man United front line. Uh, you've got Cavani. You've got Ratchford. You've got Sancho. You've got uh, Bruno Fernandes. Um, you know, where does he play? That's the question, James. Because obviously, we, we've talked about last week about Rumanalu Lakaku not being able to fit into this Man United structure in the way they play. I don't see... Cristiano Ronaldo as an out-and-out ball-holding up centre-forward. Uh, so where, where's he going to play in that in that front three? That's a big question for me. It's difficult, isn't it? I know Ronaldo has always traditionally been a left-winger, an absolutely phenomenal left-winger he has been, may I add, over the years for Manchester United and Real Madrid. But of course, injuries take their toll and he struggles with pace now and that's why he's moved more into that striker role. And I think that's where he's going to have to play. But if you know, imagine him, imagine him up top with Sancho on the right-hand side and Rashford on the left-hand side, potentially all roll reversed there. But either way, I just see our front three is absolutely blistering. Because you look at those three and then you could add Greenwood into the equation. You could add Cavani into the equation. And I think our front three will absolutely terrify defences next season. Well, this season, rather. I agree with you, James, but we've got to talk about logistics. We've got to talk about how the, the cogs turn in this team. What does he bring to, to, to this team in that formation? It's going to be interesting to see because obviously he's not known for his pressing and, and getting the ball back. So he might not be running here, there and everywhere. Like you say, he's 36 now. So who misses out? Will Man United need to change their style of play to fit him in? Juventus signed him. Didn't quite work out there in Italy. Scored lots of goals, uh, but still... Juventus had to get rid in the end. So is this nostalgia uh, clouding our real judgment of what we've signed? Maybe, but United have signed other old players over the years and, you know, they have made an impact. Cavani was older and I know he moves very well for a man of his age, but even still, I mean, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, he had a couple of good seasons at United. Robin Van Persie, again, an older player. Just because they're slightly older than being in their prime doesn't mean that they can't make an impact. But they're, they're, them three are out and out centre forwards, strong enough to hold the ball up, physical enough to deal with the the, the Premier League. Is Ronaldo that set that set kind of player? Not for me. He's going to be have to be playing. Well, the, the, really, you'd play him on either wing. But is he going to be quick enough for us to play him in the middle? It's going to be a change of style, and can we can we deal with that? That's the big question. He's going to sell loads of shirts. There's going to be a massive media circus about him, and he will score goals. But this Man United side needs a bit more for me, a bit further back. But it is a good sign and it puts bums on seats and it puts everyone as, as a, a smile on everyone's face, which is important as well. Um, obviously, we talked about the players and options and that. Who misses out, James? Obviously, you've got uh, Greenwood, you've got Sancho, you've got Ratchford as well. You've got players who are, you know, coming towards what could be the peak of their careers. Ronaldo coming in, does that put them back a step? I think it's only going to motivate them, Rob. I think for the likes of Marcus Rashford, for the likes of Jadon Sancho, for the likes of Greenwood, I think they can learn a thing or two from Ronaldo. Let's not forget, even if he isn't necessarily the best player on the planet anymore, he was for a period of time, or at least in the top two, alongside Lionel Messi. And there's a lot, a lot to learn from him. So we can give these player advices, that he can bring them on. 
I think that's the main thing that Ronaldo brings to this squad. I think he brings a massive degree of moral because the fact that Ronaldo's back in the team brings everything. He's an experienced winner. He's won at international level. He's won Champions League, league titles in three different countries. He's about as experienced as a player can get, and that's only going to help the likes of Rashford, the likes of Greenwood, the likes of Sancho. So I think he'll make a massive impact in that regard. What do you make of the nostalgia of the whole thing, Rob? I mean, when, when Ronaldo left United, I was in year five and now I've graduated university <laughs> and he's back. It's, it's mental. Yeah, it makes me feel old when you say stuff like that, James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but as I say, people have this vision of Ronaldo skipping past defenders, going on mad 50, 60 um, you know, yard runs, the stepovers, the flamboyance. He's not the same Ronaldo and pe- people need to get that in their heads. He is there really to score goals. He's reverted into that type of character because as Father Time's caught up with him, he's not been able to to reproduce, you know, the vintage Ronaldo. He will score goals and you're just hoping that he takes this Man United team to that next level. Do do you think United now, with him in the team, are good enough to win their Premier League? I think potentially, Rob. And the question I want to ask you off the back of this is I think we've had one of the best transfer seasons in a very long time. I mean, you look at the three massive names we've signed and not one of them isn't a world-class player. You've got Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the greatest to have ever lived. Sancho, one of the best young talents in the whole of world football. And then Varane, one of the best centre-backs in the world as well. Three different positions on the pitch, three massive players who can make an impact and what do you make of it? Give a whole breakdown of our transfer season, Rob, and what each player can bring to our squad. Because I think they all bring something different and they all bring something that can potentially help Manchester United win the Premier League. They, they, are, they are all sort of a problem, James. Obviously, the Arnie at the back with with uh, with Maguire will will hold, you know, will make that stronger. Um, Sancho in, will give us a bit of pace up top and and a, and a goal scorer, a bit of trickery. And, and Ronaldo, being Ronaldo, proven class, score goals. The problem I've got, James, none of them play defensive midfield, which is where we struggle. The link play between back and and the and the forwards. There's no you've got. Uh, Matic, you got Fred, and you got McTominay. Not quite the level we need to be at. Not going to moan because we've thrown a lot of money at these uh, these transfers. Uh, but end of the day, James, you're only as good as your weakest link. And for me, that is the reason we won't win the Premier League title this season. What about you? It's difficult. I want to believe in us. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm in in the position where I'm remembering what Ronaldo was at yeah. Manchester United back all those years ago. And maybe I'm ignoring the fact that he's 36 years of age, and maybe he can't make the impact I'm expecting him to make. But I still feel like bringing him in, adding that boost to the club's morale, bringing in Sancho on the wing, a fantastic player, is going to make a huge impact. Putting Varane alongside Maguire, tightening up that centre-back pairing. Yes, we might not have the best central defensive midfielders on the planet. Yes, Matic and Fred, maybe they aren't world-class. But if that's only one weak link in the team, surely the rest of the starting eleven can bind together. And surely that one link being Matic, surely that won't let the whole team down. I just think you've got to worry, James, when the pressure comes on, how players... Uh, work and how they how they function and for me that that central uh, defensive midfield area 
There's no not much mechanical mechanical ability to pass and move and tackle and I want if you had a Kante, let's say, in that area, then we would and then we'd be having the class with Pogba and Fernandez to 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 turn teams over when the pressure comes on. Yet, you know, McTominay is improving. Fred has got better um in the last few sort of couple of seasons, but they're not quite where we want to be. So we'll have to wait and see how it plays out, James. Uh we'll, we'll, you know, we've got a couple of months now till till the next transfer window. This one's not quite shut, but I can't see us getting anyone else in. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see where we are at Christmas, uh, and if uh, and if Ollie needs to go and get a defensive midfielder to 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 take us that the promised land of the Premier League uh, win and the European Cup win. So let's talk about our other club in the area, Salford City FC. They won 3-0 against Newport Town uh, this weekend. Good result uh, for Gary Bowyer's men. Yeah, most certainly. I think I picked uh, Salford to lose this game. I thought Newport might be a bit too much for them, but Salford picking up a 3-0 win and Ryan McLeany, Henderson, all bagging the goals and a fantastic performance overall from Salford, who've now moved up to 16th in the league and they go into their game against Oldham in the Football League trophy midweek. And Oldham, of course, struggling and currently in the relegation zone in League Two and expect Salford to pick up another victory there. And then going away to Carlisle, tough place to go. They're in 12th in the table, but off the back of what I expect to be two victories, I think it's a winnable game, Rob. Yeah, I think they're both uh, very winnable for Salford. I, uh, Gary Bowyer spoke to the media um, if, after the victory against Newport Town, and this is what he had to say. After the first win of the season, how good does that feel? Yeah, very good. Uh, it's a great feeling to have. Uh, we felt that um, we deserved that feeling sooner than today, but um, I can't give the players enough praise for how they've been um, uh, you know, this week especially uh, in training and you know they've reaped they've reaped the rewards. Absolutely electric start as well, straight from the off within what 40, 50 seconds was it? Um, how much that helps settle the game? Well, uh, you know, we've, we've been very good this season in how we press and how we go about it. And again, our, our press was aggressive. Delighted for Ty, it's his first league goal uh, professionally. And so, you know, that feeling to stay with him for the rest of his life. So we're delighted with that. There's more to come from him uh, and the fitter he gets uh, and the harder he runs, he's going to get more opportunities like that. So to start the game in that manner was terrific. Um, and then we, you know, we kept on the front foot, and, and we were very clinical today in the first half. Are you pleased to see, in a way, the lesson learned from Crawley, where obviously you know we started well, took the lead, and you know what happened there. You know today we went on and just really established a dominance in the game. Yeah, I think we were very clinical today. If if you had a um, a criticism in the four games previous, it was the fact that we've not uh, we've not been as clinical as what we should have done. Although some of the games, you know, their goalkeeper has been outstanding in both in two of the games. Um, but no, delighted for Conor McElhenney as well to get his first goal. It's a wonderful strike. We know what he can do and and, and how he goes about. It. And you know, hopefully now he's up and running. And then towards the end, two debuts as well. Kelly and um, Damani both coming on. Um, you know, what did you think of them? Well, Kelly's Kelly's been with us since pre-season, and uh, you know he's 17 years of age. And you see what he does, the impact that he has. He's got the biggest smile on his face Monday to Friday. It's even bigger today now that he's made his league debut. And you know he, he, he's competitive, that's for sure. And I think you saw that as well. But he has some ability, and he has wonderful confidence. And you know we've got to look after him. 
and Damani as well. Damani, great for him to get in the building. He only arrived yesterday, uh, but you know to get him on the pitch and again that's his league debut. So you know today has been really good for people to make the debuts, score the first league goals, and for, for Salford as well, and, and and kick on. We've got a break now from no, the league for uh, we'll play Tuesday. Well, yeah, for the Papa John's Trophy. Um, no, does that? Um, how's your thoughts on that game? Uh, well, like they say, we're not overly blessed with numbers. We've we, we just had Ash Hunter and Matty Willock come back in this week, back end of this week. Tom Elliott's missed out. Um, you know, he's going to be missing for another five or six days. Um, but yeah, we, we've got to go and try and continue the way that we're playing and, and continue this feeling that we've had today. So that was Gary Bowyer talking about how you know, excited he was about the victory. Uh, Ian Henderson, great goal scorer as well. And, you know, it's only positive uh, moving forward for the Amis. Yeah, most certainly, Rob. I mean, if we can get victories against Oldham, I mean, everybody loves the magic of the cup. And then we can pick one up against Carlisle. Who knows? I want Salford back in playoff contention. That's what I'd like. And if they miss out, then okay. But I'd like them at least in the top 10, to be honest. That's where I want Salford to be. But moving on back to the Premier League and Manchester City picking up a 5-0 victory over Arsenal. And last week we spoke all about how the pressure was mounting on the Gunners and the Arteta's time at the club could be over. And this this game hasn't helped him at all, has it? A 5-0 slashing against yeah. Manchester City. Gundogan, Torres bagging two, Jesus, Hernandez and of course Xhaka getting a red card for Arsenal. They were absolutely hammered and now... The reality has set in. Arsenal, after three games, a bottom of the Premier League. What do you make of the whole thing? And, of course, what do you also make of City's performance? Well, City were, were fantastic, sizzled. Um, you know, all the talk of, of no Harry Kane, no Ronaldo. You're wondering what was going to, how that was going to affect him. Uh, come away with another 5-0 win. That's two home games, James. Two 5-0 wins. There's no there's no uh, problem going forward for Man City at all. Um, they've got they've got gears that they can go through, and that's and that's the important thing I think for Pep Guardiola's men. They're starting to purr, and teams like Liverpool and Man United will be looking at that and thinking. Yeah, we're in August and they're starting to, to to go through the gears. Now, is it going to be too soon? That's the big question. Obviously, you know, later down the line, November, December, January, February, that's when you win titles. But it is a good sign for, for Pep's men that they've, they've had two home games and won five nil each. Yeah, I mean, it's massive, isn't it? And there's an international break now. Will Arteta still be the Arsenal manager by the time Premier League football returns? Well, so so question that because obviously the the owners of uh, of Arsenal um, have a big decision to make because if you're going to sack the coach, you sack him to get someone else in, and if you get someone else in now, they've got two weeks to to put the stamp on it, aren't they? So they're going to be sat there in that boardroom after watching that performance and wondering what happens next. Um, it makes sense if you were going to sack him to sack him now, but does that mean they're going to have to? You know, are they willing to say, well, what we'll do, we'll give him a bit more time and a couple more chances before we do? Where are Arsenal in the in the the big, you know, uh, footballing world? Are they a club that are at the pinnacle of uh, football? No, they're on the on the way down the the slide, and that's the that's the big thing, really. Uh, with with a minute to go, uh, James. Obviously, if you were an Arsenal fan, uh, you'd be you'd be worried, wouldn't you, about what's going on? 
Yeah, most certainly. It's very troubling times for Arsenal at the moment. Is there an element of amusement from our sides, potentially? But uh, it's an awful position for Arsenal. The former Invincibles to be in the relegation zone. And, you know, the way they're playing at the moment, they can't buy a win, can they? And hopefully maybe they can bounce back against Norwich, but who knows? And just a little bit of uh, news to finish up the show with Kane has committed his future to Spurs. And of course, England have World Cup qualifying games against Hungary and Andorra. So games we should win and good luck to them. Well, Rob, Portugal have officially taken over France in the domestic league rankings, meaning that Lionel Messi no longer plays his football for a top five league in Europe. Absolutely crazy stat. Yeah. Lionel Messi making all the headlines um, all over the world, but then the, the league is in. James doesn't doesn't feature amongst the very best. Is it a step behind, back for him? Will Paris Saint Germain wince at that? It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next few weeks. I'm sure all going to be watching anyway, so they'll they'll be they'll be there and thereabouts. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Obviously, Harry Kane, captain of England, uh, he'll uh, he'll want to get back within the goals, James. And that's the important thing for the likes of Harry Kane. Scoring goals takes the pressure off him and everyone else. Big thanks for tuning in to this week's Sporter Zone on Salford City Radio. I'm Parkson, and we'll see you next week for more Salford Sporting Chats. <laughs>